Welcome back to The Wise Man's Page, the daily podcast where we read Patrick Rothfuss's The Wise Man's Fear, page by page. This is page 568. Chapter 86, The Broken Road. We finished searching the north side of the King's Highway and started on the southern half. Often the only thing that marked one day from the next was the stories we told around the fire at night. Stories of Orin Velsiter, Laniel Young again, and Ilian. Stories of helpful swineherds and the luck of Tinker's sons. Stories of demons and fairies, of riddle games and barrow drags. The Edema Run know all the stories in the world, and I am Edema down to the center of my bones. My parents told stories around the fire every night when I was young. I grew up watching stories in dumb show, listening to them in songs, and acting them out on stage. Given this, it was hardly surprising that I already knew the stories Dayton, Hespi, and Martin told at night. Not every detail, but I knew the bones of them. I knew their shapes and how they would end. Don't mistake me, I still enjoyed them. Stories don't need to be new to bring you joy. Some stories are like familiar friends. Some are dependable as bread. Still, a story I haven't heard before is a rare and precious thing, and after twenty days of searching the Eld, I was rewarded with one of those. Once, long ago and far from here, Hespi said as we sat around the fire after dinner, there was a boy named Jax, and he fell in love with the moon. Jax was a strange boy, a thoughtful boy, a lonely boy. He lived in an old house at the end of a broken road. He... Dayton interrupted. Did you say a broken road? Hespi's mouth went firm. She didn't scowl exactly, but it looked like she was getting all the pieces of a scowl together in one place, just in case she ended the page. I'm Jeremy. I'm Jordana. I'm Nick. So the figures that are named when Quoth says we're telling stories of X, Y, and Z, I, for some reason, thought that Orin Velsiter was a real person, whereas Leniel Young again and... He, he is. Okay. Orin Velsiter is a real person. Chronicler interviewed him prior to approaching Quoth. Le- Ilian is supposedly a real person. Quoth, uh, you know, believes that the, the stories are true. And Laniel Young again has an IRL story about her. I actually haven't found it. I'm not sure where it's been published, but Rothfuss has written a short story, possibly a novella, actually, about Laniel Young again. Hmm. But Laniel Young again hasn't come up so far in the pages of Name of the Wind or The Wise Man's Fear, right? I don't believe so. So that's an interesting piece of uh, information then that Orin Velsiter, though uh, we know that he's, that he's real or some version of him is real because Chronicler talked to him, but he's mentioned in the same breath as these figures who are more like figures of myth. Um, and I feel like that doesn't feel out of place to me because I, especially, you know, in a, in a different time, you know, I feel like people would have told stories about, you know, good King Richard in the same breath as they would have told stories about Robin Hood or like told stories about like the exploits of Alexander the Great in this, in, and then, told the story about Odysseus. You know, one of those people is real, one of them's not, but they're both kind of larger than life Yeah, figures. it doesn't strike me as odd at all that you would have a mix of both real and not real uh, characters mm-hmm. from stories. Yeah, and I think this kind of sets up the idea that Quoth is a legend in his time, mm-hmm. or at least, like, it's not unheard of for people to be legends in their time in Temerat. Mm-hmm. What is a dumb show? Uh, I'm picturing, like, a puppet show. Ah, Okay. And they like, and I think the fact that it's a dumb show means that they don't talk during it, right? Like you're just 
watching like a kind of a Punch and Judy show where like the puppets are acting out a story. Um, and maybe there's like a narrator telling the story over top of it. But like, the- uh, I'm going to I'm going to stop you there before we speculate ourselves into an early grave. It is a mime. It is a mime performance. OK, so there's no no talking at all and no puppets. That's right. OK. Did that come to you from a cursory Google or did you already know that? It is a cursory Google. There is the players in Hamlet, among other uh, among other locations, they do a dumb show. Okay, cool, cool, cool. I I'm also very much with Quoth uh, in that I I do like to revisit stories that I already know. There is something kind of comforting and familiar about seeing beloved characters again and like kind of knowing how the story is going to go is sometimes nice, uh, but it scratches a different itch than the joy of like having a story told to me that I don't know and that I can't see what's yeah, coming. I mean, I think that's just the nature of things that like it is it, like some things are comfortable and some things are exciting. And those are the things. Well, yeah, but I mean, I know people who do, who like never reread <laughs> a book or, or whatever because they yeah they just don't get that much out of it or they don't feel the urge to and i also i I don't reread books either but that's because it takes me really long to do it right but that's not to say that i i wouldn't enjoy it Mm -hmm. (laughs) and on the other end of the spectrum i have also met people who like rather than seek out a new story they would rather like watch something that they already know because they can't deal or, or don't, you know, don't, or they aren't in the mood for like the anxiety and stress that a story with an unfamiliar plot can sometimes give them. So yeah, they would like much rather just. Mm. <laughs> when I get too anxious, I have to rewatch old stuff. <laughs> mm. The attention called to the broken road is interesting. It doesn't just slip by. We get an interjection from the characters, which says to me that. The idea of the broken road, or at least the idea of the brokenness, is uh, it's important that Rothfuss, it's important to Rothfuss that this get highlighted for us. Mm-hmm. Something that I've read is the idea that uh, that Faye is broken, you know, Faye is the broken house, and that the broken road is the path into Faye, or something like that. Uh, I don't know that I buy it, but I do think that it, it gives us some important at the very least, thematic resonance with the idea that uh, maybe the world or something in it is, is broken. And it certainly helps to set the tone of this story, which I think of as almost like having like a Dark Souls vibe. Like uh, everything is apparently normal, but very, very fundamentally wrong in the world of this story, the story of Jack's. Um, it has a bit of a horror tinge to it, I think. And I think that the call out of the broken road really sets the scene for that it's important to hespy right it's not just a a slip of the tongue or something that she's adding for embellishment it's an important part of the story it's something that her mother told to her many times interesting also that hespy of all people has the oral tradition for uh, of a story that we i think the um the close reading set uh, have come to believe that this is a very important story about the nature of the world. Interesting that it's Hespi, uh, someone who, as far as we know, isn't totally connected to like magic or history um, rather than Quoth who, who, or rather who, who brings it to Quoth and Quoth has never heard anything of it before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The image of the broken road is just like, it's also just such a striking evocative 
sentence. Uh, like you could call a whole fantasy novel the Broken Road, and like it, it, it carries enough kind of psychic weight. I think that it 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 evokes a lot of uh, it evokes a tone, it evokes a mood, uh, and you're right that it kind of sets the stage for this weird fable about Jacks that we're about to encounter. All right. Do we think that he included the phrase Barrow Draugs as another nod to Tolkien who talks about Barrow Whites? Uh, maybe. I mean, I I know that we have Barrows. Like, Barrows are set up in the story, and I think Draug are there to differentiate it a bit from, like, zombies, you know, from conventional zombies. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, Yeah, that's true. There's something that he hasn't done yet is stolen the princess back from the Sleeping Barrow King. Mm-hmm. So I don't think, I mean, that might be like a, a, a light reference to Tolkien. I don't think it's a sly reference in the way that Edro is. Mm-hmm. I, the only thing that makes me think that it might be is because a draug and a white are just different words for like an undead thing <laughs> or like a like a ghost or a, a you know, a, a walking dead kind of person. So, yeah. And I, and I find them more interesting. Like if you said zombie, it would really give you mm-hmm. some preconceptions about it. But draug is a lot more mysterious. Mm. Or at least it has different pre- preconceptions because that's like a Norse word. Hmm. They've, they've started to bleed into Western pop culture. Oh, uh, yes. Because now I'm familiar with Draug from, or Draugr from God of War and there's a, there's Draug in uh, The Witcher. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, same with like whites, you know, when I was growing up, you didn't encounter whites very often. You didn't encounter Draug and now they've, they've made their way in. Indeed. The only likely place that I encountered those words when I was a kid was in D&D monster manuals. As did everyone. I think everyone who encountered them encountered them there. I yeah. have no doubt Rothfuss, uh, is a, a voracious mm-hmm. consumer of, <laughs> of D&D. Yeah. Many is the hour I spent locked in the bathroom pretending to be on the toilet, mm. but actually reading the D&D books. That's right. I mean, I I think that a lot of the loquacious vocabulary of your average nerd can be blamed on a combination of reading comic books and RPG manuals, two medium which tend to have a very like uh elevated vocabulary despite being relatively low pop culture as it were. Okay, wait. Perhaps. I have a mildly related but also unrelated question. Why wouldn't you just read the manual in a not the bathroom room? Well, because then someone's going to be like, hey, you know, Nick, take out the trash. Hey, Nick, clean your room. Hey, Nick, walk the dog. As we have often said, like, the toilet is the one place where it is like you can be guaranteed to not be interrupted. Unless you have children. (laughs) Hmm. Yeah, and when you when you so are set the boundaries. Yeah, when you are a kid and you're in the toilet, your parents are like, "Thank God, I have like two minutes to myself. I hope he stays in there forever." <laughs> yeah, but then of course, if they're in there too long, the parent they starts to worry in. that they have somehow killed themselves. <laughs> Indeed. Yes. Yeah, I feel like parenthood is a a, a absolute dichotomy between uh, being very annoyed and uh, completely afraid that your child has died. Mm-hmm. And there's no middle ground. Yeah, parents, uh, write in and tell us how true that is. <laughs> and until tomorrow, yes, please do. Uh, you can find us locked in the bathroom reading D and D manuals on tomorrow's page. Of the way.